everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So Bah, Busy Living So Bah, Busy Living So And it's episode 244 today. You're my first guest back, Kim Bellis. I have been, I haven't had a guest on since, since January. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm honored. Well, I'm, I'm honored. excited because sober is the new cool. Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Yeah, I thought it was cool from for a really long time myself. I want to hear because it's interesting. You did your son was got seizures. Why did he have seizures? We from one day to the next, we don't know. He was playing football, so uh, obviously we imagined it was a football injuries, even though he was the one hitting people. He never got hit. He was a big, strong kid. Um, I mean, everybody thought like this kid's going far in football. Like he was just like a little dynamo. He loved it. It gave him his self-esteem, everything. And from one day to the next, our lives just went so lousy. Like he just got a seizure. And at the first time they thought, oh, you know, kids can get that, you know, hormone when the hormones start to kick in too much you know he was 13 and he had one then about a month and a half later he got a second one and we had about seven and they were the big grand mal seizures uh so yeah it what was, does that mean will you explain it, to us uh, the listeners who don't know in layman's terms what does that mean well a regular seizure some people can have seizures and they just kind of zone out for a few minutes and you wouldn't even, you'd just think they were daydreaming. So life continues. And most people, a lot of people, you know, can live like a very normal life and have minimal uh, medication. My son, on the other hand, uh, when he has a seizure, he'll faint, drop to the floor, his arms, legs, they go into convulsions and his eyes roll in the back of his head. And then when he comes out after about two minutes, it's like he doesn't know what's happened. He's like a raging bull. Like he just wants to get everything and everybody away from him. And it's like trauma to the brain every time he has one. So, yeah. So as a kid that was playing football five nights a week, couldn't ride a bike, couldn't play basketball, football, soccer. Like there was nothing. There was just like, you know, and we were afraid and medicine takes a long time to find which one works so then all of a sudden we got about two years seizure free and life was kind of not normal but I was telling him okay you've got to get back go see your friends do this and he'd go an hour after he'd get there he'd call me and say mom come and get me so the third time I, I said, okay, you know, something, this is not good. So I went downstairs and I said, Matthew, you know, what is this? Like, what's going on? And he said, mom, everybody's getting bombed. They're drinking beer. They're having fun. I can't be like everybody else. And I started to say to him, oh, come on, Matthew, you don't need booze to have fun. And as I said it, I had this huge glass of wine in my hand. And I thought, you were such a hypocrite. So it started off like, it was like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking for three months. And I used to drink like wine every day and have a vodka martini and whatever. Not, nobody would think I had a drinking problem. And after three months, he said, you see, now you can be like everybody else again. So I said, no, 
I'm going to do another three months. And then I realized I'm sleeping better. I mean, I was a nervous wreck having a child where you don't know if they're going to get sick or whatever. And so my anxiety level was better. I started to exercise and just everything was better. Like it was just my skin looked better. I looked a bit younger and I felt so much better. And for some reason, I think when I used to drink, it was kind of like liquid courage. I'd be able to say to somebody if they pissed me off or, you know, I was irritated or whatever. And then I had to learn how to kind of communicate. And I never had to say, I'm sorry for the way I said something because whatever I said, I, you know, I said it and I meant it. And it wasn't because I'd been drinking. And then his friends started coming around and he'd say, you can't bring liquor here. My mother stopped drinking for me. And then I realized, okay, this is, um, I, I just have to stay doing this. And then I realized people would say to me, oh, come on, you could just have one drink with me. Come over here. Nobody will know. I won't tell anybody. Your son won't know. Your husband won't know. Your other son won't know. And I said, I'll know. I said, no, I can't. I just, and then I realized if it's so hard for me going out socially, and it was, people would say, what do you mean you don't drink? I didn't know you had a drinking problem or like these judgmental things or white wine, red wine, a vodka. Do you want this? Are you on a diet? Are you depressed? Like it was just endless. And I thought, okay, I've got to do something for my son because I'm old enough that I can kind of like wiggle my way around these situations. But for someone that their whole life has been turned upside down, I said, no, I, I, I got to figure something. So, so Sober's the New Cool was born. And when I told people about it, they said, oh my God, this will never work. Sober and cool in the same sentence. And there's no way people are just going to laugh at this. So I said, wow. I said, you know, we used to drink and drive when we were growing up. The kids today don't. So I said, there is like a, you know, there's a wave coming. And I said, no, I'm going to stick with this. And then we kind of like shifted gears a touch saying, okay, you could be the designated driver. So sober is the new cool for that evening. You could be cool. And then we figure, okay, if somebody stops drinking for a day, a week, a month, a year, um, will have succeeded, right? And then this movement just, we started an Instagram page. I didn't know what I was doing, a Facebook page. And all of a sudden, all these people from the young girls to mothers, fathers, grandmothers, just started contacting me and saying, wow, first of all, how come you stopped drinking for your son? They couldn't believe that. And I said, well, I think I realize now drinking is just not for me. It, it was never my friend. I didn't have the energy. I was depressed more often than not. I didn't want to exercise. You know, it just was, let's do a diet. Oh, can we have wine on it? You know, like there's a bit of an issue when you start doing things like that. So I just figured, you know what? I'm just so much happier doing it like this. And people just start telling us their stories. And it just turned into this, movement of all kinds of people from all over the world like quite honestly I have more people in Europe and in the United States than in Canada and it's I'm doing this eight years finally Canadians are starting to realize I'm Canadian I don't know how come they never knew that before but so here we are and we're just you know loving life and my son now is finally three years seizure free He'd never been on the right medicine before, but life is still hard. 
And, you know, if he would drink, which he had in the past, done a few times, he ends up back in the hospital. So alcohol is just, that's just not um, a way of life for him. So it's not a way for, of life for me either anymore. And that's just it. We're good. So, and now to ask, I'm going to get into some questions. So did, so would you say you were an alcoholic when you were drinking previously, or do you think you were a heavy drinker? I, you know what? I, I, I don't think I, I don't know because alcoholic to me is if you, if you have three and you can't really stop at three and I would have that fourth one. What did I need the fourth one for? I was watching TV. Do you know what I mean? And everything that went around with it, for me, I just think, I guess I don't like the label thing because everybody, it just, for me, I know I drank way too much looking back. And now I know I'll never miss another memory. And I did miss memories. So does that qualify? Did you black out? No, no, I wasn't like falling down. I was like the party girl fun whatever but I wasn't fun I wasn't happy inside I never felt like I was enough I always felt that um, I was more fun when I drank I was more at ease I had more self-confidence so why why did I I needed that to make myself feel like I could be something and now I think I'm so much more than then you know yeah because busy living, so my story is, is that I was an alcohol, you know, I'm an alcoholic. So I started drinking at 13. I didn't stop drinking till I was 37. I've been sober for 15 years, but I, you know, I, I do a 12 step program. I mean, for me, I have one and it, it's a, they call it a phenomenon of cravings. So when I have one, I want another one and I want another one. And it's something that you can't really control. It's like, if you've ever like, said, I'm only going to have one Oreo and you have 20 or yeah. I'm going to have one um, Dorito and I have 20. Right. So it's the same sort of deal with the alcohol for me. Right? Well, I think for me, there must have been some sort of issue because I won't, whenever it comes up, like if the kids are going to, you know, say, when I get married, will you have a glass of champagne? I just can't. I cannot take that chance. So I must have had that fine line, no matter what, if, but I am all or nothing. If I do a diet, it's like that. If I exercise, it's like that. So I think the probability, I would probably go back to being the way I was before. And I just won't, I, I don't want to take that chance. I, just, I love that. I love that. And does your, what about your husband? He drinks, he drinks. And sometimes I don't like it so much, but uh you know what? I can't control everybody around me. And I was lucky in the way that I would say 99% of my friends stuck by me. There were a few that don't really like going out with me anymore because I think they feel uncomfortable with me not drinking. That happened in the first year. I found there was a lot of situations where, not that I was left out, but um, you could tell people were definitely not comfortable like they would watch how much they drank in front of me or say, oh no, I don't feel like it. There was just, you could tell there was something not, it wasn't the same as before. 
Well, I really always say, you know how they say you, the Grim Reaper, you know, he comes in and he takes bodies. I'm like, so the Grim Reaper goes into the old age home, right? And everybody's like, ah! Like, I feel like when I walk into a party because everybody knows I'm sober. I mean, yeah. everybody that's around me, I'm just, because I'm busy living sober, right? So everybody knows that. So when I come to a party and somebody asked me just recently, they said, what is it, how, what do you say to, what do you, how do you make people feel comfortable? And I find, I found that a very interesting question. And what, I mean, how do you make people feel comfortable being around you when you go to a dinner party? For me, I don't care. Like, I'm like, whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. Yeah. And that's how I am now. Like at the beginning, you know, Eight years ago, I felt like I had to explain the story every time I went somewhere because, and to this day, I, I when I'm introduced to different people, I get, I'm just gonna turn that off for some reason it's going on. Um, I, I see people and they kind of, um, they get like, they don't know what to do, what to say. And so I would explain this whole story about Matthew and it was just like, and then I thought, why am I explaining anything? I don't need to explain anything. I, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Like nobody asks me why I don't do that. So, and then I just kind of started laughing about it. And then um, I guess my way is just like, okay, I'll have a Perrier and I just leave it at that. And, um, you know, the other day we were somewhere with somebody's 60th birthday and somebody had brought bubbly to watch the sunrise. And, you know, it's a, it's quite something because they gave the plastic champagne flutes and I took one and another girl took one that I didn't know very well. And I could see right away, she was like, the body changed. And I said, hey, wait a minute, girls, I've got to get my water out of the car because I wanted cheers also. And the other girl said, oh my God, can I come and get some too? And so then I gave her some of the water. And so then afterwards she said, hi, what do you say to people that you, because you don't drink? And I said, well, for me, it's, you know, she's, I said, I'm just never going to miss another memory. Like this is going to be, you know, I'm just going to remember this every single moment of this, where if I'd been drinking, I wouldn't, you know, I'd say, oh, let's have some more champagne. Let's be more like fun and bubbly and whatever. And she was grateful because she didn't know a lot of people and she's been sober two years and didn't know how to deal with that situation she thought I don't know what she thought if she was going to just hold the glass with the champagne in it or she you know like but you could so I guess now I don't even really I think it's so obvious and now most people see sober as the new cool so they all kind of you know I think at first they kind of thought it was a fad um and now they realize it's far from a fad <laughs> and I'm sticking with it and you know what? I'm just happy. And I don't feel uncomfortable when people drink too much. I leave earlier than before, I think, because I get a little, you know, I was probably the same, always telling the same story over and over. Right. And uh, so I'm glad I'm not that person anymore. Well, you're authentic, right? You're authentic. You own it. And I think that's something that's missing from the sober culture because it was something so for so long that you had to be ashamed of, right? I mean, I know for me because of the alcoholic, you know, thing that I am, you know, cause I'd have one and then I'd have 47 and I wouldn't remember where I put my car and, you know, and then, you know, people hear that word and it just makes them go, Ooh, 
I don't like that word. And it brings shame right away. Shame. And you know, that woman that probably walked up to you felt that shame that you feel like, because yeah. I had to give up this thing that socially everyone thinks is like everybody needs it. Well, the other thing is what I started to say a few years back when people would ask me, are you an alcoholic or whatever? And I'd say, what difference does it make? Do you think I'm a shopaholic? And then they'd laugh. And I said, oh, see, you think that's funny. And then they would kind of like say, oh, I never really, you know? And I said, to me, alcohol, I mean, we've had problems with alcohol in our family in the past. And for me, I think that alcohol or any addiction basically is just a band-aid to something else, a sadness or a tragedy or something that you feel like you're missing something in your life. And that's what the band-aid is, the alcohol, the drugs. And I really believe that mental health and alcoholism or drug addiction or any addiction, whether it be cutting, uh, you know, uh, anorexia, there's so many addictions that for me, I, you know what, I, I, that's why I think the label thing bugs me because I, I did shop too much also when I would drink, you know, you spend more money. It was like easier to spend somehow. And so, and that I had no shame in. So what difference does it make? You know, like, it and I think, matter. no, and there should be no shame, whether, you know, you have anxiety or you're depressed or you're an alcoholic or you're a drug addict. And one of the things I just did on Instagram was Nobody wakes up in the morning saying, I want to be a drug addict or an alcoholic mm -hmm. or depressed to have mental issues, mental health issues. So, you know what? Stop talking about it and go and help somebody instead of judging somebody, you know? And I really do feel that. I really think the world needs a lot of love and not so much uh, judgment. And, you know, we'd be a lot better off. I agree 100%, Kim. And you talked about two things that I want to go back to. One is being in the family, that, that it yeah. is a family disease. And I'm sure in your eight years, it's in my 15 years, I've, I mean, there's not one person I meet that doesn't say my cousin, my uncle, my aunt, my neighbor, my somebody that's in their little, little bubble of life has been affected by the, by alcoholism. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. So why is there so much shame? We need to change that. And I love that you just mentioned not judgment. And I want to talk about something that I think is so important. And um, I'm a mom too. So I have three children. Now they're 25, 24, 23, and 21. But when I raised them, you know, majority of the time I was sober. And I think that when you were talking about when first when Matthew came in and he said, mom, everybody's doing this. I don't feel like I fit in. And I mean, that I just have to say, for one, kudos to you. I mean, man, that's awesome that you said, you know what? I love you so much that I am not going to drink either. I mean, it brings tears to my eyes because we do. It's, it's such, at least for me, even when I saw my parents, like when I saw my parents having parties and everybody had that pretty glass and yeah. that pretty dress on and they were laughing and dads looked so happy and moms were so gregarious. And so of course, all I wanted to do when I was grow when I grew up was I wanted to drink. Right. Yeah. And then Matthew comes home and says, mom, that's what everybody's doing. And you're like, all right, I'm done. I'm stopping right now. And, and you know, I, I don't even know how that happened, 
because obviously I loved him more than I loved myself because for so long before that, if it was a diet I needed to lose weight, I said, oh no, that one I can't have wine, forget it. So why did it that day, you know, it was like there was, there was no way I was going to have another drink. And it was hard the first year. I didn't go to a lot of restaurants because this restaurant was sushi and rosé. This restaurant was pasta and red wine. Like I had like all these triggers. And so I, I went, I got hypnotized. I figured I'll do anything. I'll try anything just to, to help, you know, like this anxiety I was feeling. And it was like, everything was upside down. Like my, my life was just, and I just knew I had to, and the, the more I went on, the better I felt. And the more I was able to cope with everything that was going on, you know, and I was good up until year six. Year six was the first summer, well, almost in, going into year seven, we decided to rent a house about an hour and a half away from where we live. Because we did not go on vacation, my husband and I, and leave Matthew. One would stay home. I would go with my mother and my sister, whatever. We didn't. We didn't. That was just no. too bad. That was our life. And that summer, we decided he has the car where uh, there would be no issues. He could drive and come and meet us here and there. And that whole summer was every time I saw somebody with a glass of wine in their hand or a martini, I could have ripped it out of their hand. I had no control. I wasn't watching Matthew. I wasn't seeing everything he was doing from morning till night. And that was the hardest summer of, of this whole journey. And once it was over and I was home, I was okay. But uh, I have an issue with the helicopter mom, I guess, you know, like that control. So, you know, I know now that this summer, if we do go do something, because we didn't last year with COVID, um, I'm prepared to have those feelings again, because I guess I am a bit of a control freak. Well, it's, um, I don't know if you know this, like one of the steps for Alcoholics Anonymous for one is like, we're powerless, right? We're powerless over everything. Like I'm powerless over the first drink. And when you talk about your son, and like, it, I, may, I, I mean, I swear I could cry it like at any moment when you've been talking, like, especially when you were talking about him, like on the floor, I'm like, oh my God, I, my heart just went, oh, I just, I can see and the fear, right? Cause this is your baby. Yeah. And see, like, look at me, I'm just getting like this. But and you can't fix it. You can't fix it. No. You can't fix it. So it's. And I, it's, and to not. Because so many people would say this fear is so much. Just give me a drink. I can't take it. This is just too overwhelming. Just it's just too much. It's just too much. Pass me, pass me a bottle of Chardonnay. I just need a Chardonnay. Another Chardonnay. A dirty martini. Just get me yeah. whatever it was. And yeah. then to say, you know what? I I can't. I told him I'm not going to do this. And just to have those feelings and walking through them. And you had at least a little control over the fact that you were like, I'm not going to drink. If, if anything else, I'm, I'll do whatever it is, but I'm not going to drink. That if anything, I'm not drinking. Yeah. And, you know, I guess too, there was a doctor and I love her. She was Dr. Michelle Lagos. She gave us back our life. She was a psychiatrist in neurology. And at one point we were, we did a lot of therapy because he was 
so depressed and how could you not be, you know, life changing like that. And she said to me at one point at the beginning, she said, oh my God, you're one of those um, working mothers. And I said, no, actually I'm not, I, I'm home. The kids are always home, their friends are always over, the barbecue's always going, the sleepover is at my house. And then I knew by the way she said it, I said, I've been, I'm missing something going on in my own house. Like, so that was like a bit of a slap. And then when he told me that he was just didn't fit in, I thought, okay, I, I have no control over his sickness. I can't make him better. So this is the only way I know how to support him. And in the end, it was, I told him months later, I said, you know, Matthew, as sad as I am that you got sick, you gave me the greatest gift in life because I'm better now than I, I was at 40. Like I'm, you know, I'm 60 years old and it's incredible how much better my life is. So well, you you're know? beautiful. And I mean, to think that you've done this and do you, and so this goes and you, a portion of all the sales of your swag, your yeah. t-shirts and everything else goes to the Douglas Foundation. Tell yes. us a little bit about the Douglas Foundation. So the Douglas Foundation is in Montreal. Uh, they deal with mental health, Alzheimer's, schizophrenia. Um, they, they, they're, one of their mottos is, let the, the brain heal. Mm. And they have 10,000 people from all over the world that come through those doors in a year in Montreal. Like they're world renowned for their, and I knew one of the mothers from, you know, uh, my husband, and she was in charge of this, uh, you know, raising money and doing events for uh, different, you know, um, their, their side is really about mental health and children and, and anxiety and depression. And seeing as we had done so much therapy and by the time we'd find a therapist that clicked with, because that's part of the, you know, you need that connection. I just realized, you know, there's no, there's no reason to be ashamed of being depressed or sad or, or, or angry because anger is really just, covering up the sadness that's inside. And I learned all these things and I was able to talk about it. My husband, not so much at the beginning. He didn't like me talking about all these things. He, you know, people would say, how's everything? Fine, everything's great, you know? And it wasn't great. We were sad, we were sad. And who wants your son not to be, you know? And he felt football with his whole life. That's who he thought he was. And without football, he had lost his self-esteem. So the Douglas, is just a wonderful foundation that helps people. And you go to an event there, people talk about suicide, people talk, like a stranger will walk up to you and say, oh, is your son suicidal or your daughter? Or do they have anorexia? Or you know, do you have a parent that has Alzheimer's? Like you think you're talking about the sun and the beach and the, the waves, like there's no issue. And I just love it. I love them and I think that you know, that the work they do is so important and they're trying to end the stigma of mental health. And unfortunately in Montreal, you can't say addiction and mental health or else they don't get lots of funding from the government, you know, cause they're, it's like separated. Mm -hmm. For me being outside of their organization, I've chosen them as our fit because I feel that for Matthew, um, he was very much like me where he would be all or nothing. And I think the fact that we had to do all this therapy 
And if he hadn't been sick, I think he would have probably been more like me, more of a partier and more than less. So I think that both feet in kind of thing. So I think we're better off just being like this. And you know what? He now started talking because that's the one slot we didn't have a lot of people talking to us about were young, young guys. And I met these young guys called Not So Anonymous Podcast from Arizona. And they asked me to be on their show. And when they found out about Matthew, Matthew did the whole show. And you know what? I said, you see, you need to be able to talk to other guys like this. So when it's epilepsy day, we put out a big campaign saying, you know, sober is, you know, the new cool and with the, the logo of epilepsy. But whether it's epilepsy or something else, it doesn't matter. Sober is the new cool. So he's now finding um, some kind of self-esteem by talking about helping other guys to say, okay, well, I can't drink and why he can't drink. And like, that's not an option. There is no option. You can't, and that's it. So he's able to talk to young guys and say how he goes to a party and how he can enjoy himself without booze. So I think it's, it's just helped heal him a bit. Is he in the, you know, is he in university now? How old is he now? 23. He'll be 24 in a month. Okay. So I have a, he had, my oldest one's 26. No, university, he had, um, uh, in between, um, we have CJEP, which is your, like, uh, college. And then he started getting seizures again. And mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we stopped school for a bit. Then he went back to school. He got into a university. And after one semester, uh, the seizures started on and off and with the medicine, it's just um, one of the medicines to help him study because the other medicine makes him like calm like this, like, right. So then he doesn't want to listen. He's like, kind of like, like a butterfly, like his mother. And so then like, it just was like a, a bad circle. So now he's got a job, he's working and we're three years so uh, seizure free um in January so now he's starting to see that you know he could maybe do a real estate license or he could do something else you know and you know now he's he's learned that he can talk to other people and do podcasts or just as interviews and be a guest and so the world is kind of opening up you know finally so I think we're we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and uh you know we're just going to continue because they see both my kids, how many people contact me on a regular basis on, you know, just being um, lonely or sad or, you know, they have no one to talk to. And so they, they realize how important it is to be kind to others and to, you know, help where you can. So that's what we're doing. Well, Kim, I have to tell you both your boys, especially Matthew, you didn't say your other boy's name. What's his name? Jack. Jack, Jack. Jack. Okay. But they're so lucky they have you as a mom because you're just a rock star. Look at you. I'm just, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you today. I well, mean, I, I'm honored that you had me because I think the world is you, honestly. Thank you. Thank you. And it is just to think that, you know, Matthew had you as a cheerleader to stand by him and just say, you know what? I've got you, bud. I've got you no matter what. And, you know, we all need somebody like that. And I love you talked about yourself as a butterfly because a butterfly always changes, right? It yeah. changes and it's beautiful. 
So people can find sober is the new cool.com. Uh, dot, uh, yeah, dot com. Yeah. Dot com and buy your swag and you're on yeah. all social media. Yeah. It's at Instagram. So it's sober dot is dot the dot new dot cool on Facebook. It's sober is the new cool on Twitter. It's sober dot itnc. Um, and we're here and we're happy to help wherever we can. And if we can, you know, facilitate somebody from Phoenix, uh, having a therapist from another place in the, the country, we do that because I'll ask people, a woman the other day asked me, she was from Africa and she said, you know, she was having trouble with her son. And I said, where do you live in Africa? I mean, who would even say that? She tells me and I said, oh, I think I know somebody from Instagram that's there. And now he's connected, he's 27. So he's trying to help her with her son. So the world is a great place. So we just really just have to reach out and uh, keep connecting, you know? So wait a minute, wait, we got to back up a bus for one second. So you do you have this resource for everyone to you? Well, I mean, it's just like if they message you and say, you know, it just, they'll see a picture or a quote, and they'll, they'll write something. And then somehow I respond. And like that woman in South Africa, she just wrote something about her son because she knew that I had stopped for Matthew. And then I wrote back, oh, I'm so sorry. And then for some reason, I just thought, okay, where do you live? Because with COVID and everything being closed, a lot of people that I know that are alcoholics couldn't go to their AA meetings. Right. So right. they were doing everything by Zoom. Right. So that way I got to, um, you know, there's the sober sisters that are from ones in North Carolina and ones in California. They do Zoom meetings different times of the day. There's people in Texas, there's people all over the place. So I guess I'm just lucky that I've met all these people. So. I just kind of say, oh, well, you could go and do this or you could do that. And this woman, because she was talking about her son, and I said, um, this guy, Chris Nell, I said, he lives in South Africa. And I said, I wonder if he lives where you live. So I just texted him while I was texting her. He said, yes, Kim, I'm about 20 minutes away. So his sponsor was helping him help her. And they trying to get her, her son some treatment. So you know, uh, it's just, yeah. It's amazing. That is amazing. That I was really it. cool. Like that my is, whole day was like made, you know, I was like, yes. That is just, um, and it's just you. It's just you doing your Instagram. Yeah, Good yeah. for you. Good for yeah. you. That's I'm always on my phone. I'm always on my phone, but you know what? Why not? We're Why? doing good. You know? Exactly. Exactly. I started a meeting during Zoom too. Yeah. It's and and oh. I find a lot of people are using WhatsApp. Like I have a young girl that I'm so fond of. She's like a daughter that I've never had. She's in London, England. And, uh, you know, just life is great. So we're just, uh, she helps others and I've helped her. And I just feel like it's just like this nice, you know, I just find the sober community, honestly, so creative. They're so authentic. They're so good and they're ready to help, you know? And so, I mean, most of the ones I've met, 99% of them are so non-judgmental. Like if somebody slips or makes a little oops, you know, they're there to help pick up the pieces. And I mean, I'm just grateful that people share their stories and let me be part of their life. 
you know, I really feel like that. You exude love and compassion and I love it. And I felt so honored that I got to meet you. We have to keep in touch. You're going to have to keep yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I love it. And if Matthew ever wants to come on, you have to tell him he can come on. I'd love to have him on. Well, he would love that. He would right. love that. And he's well, great. He really is. He's a great, uh, he's a great speaker. All right. Well, awesome. When we go off here, we're going to pick a date and we'll put it on the calendar. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. Been awesome. So everybody, you can find Kim on Sober is the New Cool on all social media. I'll have her links on Busy Living Sober on my website and on YouTube and on Spotify and on iTunes. And until next time, keep getting busy living sober. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye, Kim. Thanks so much.